This week's episode of the NRL Sunday Session is brought to you by Swish, which is a new platform where fans can connect with their favorite NRL stars via personalized video messages. So this stuff is great for shout outs, uh, motivation, coaching tips, sending a birthday message to your friends, uh, family, or just good old fashioned banter. The great thing about Swish is that at least 20% of all the proceeds are donated to kids, charities, Starlight and Variety. It's a great new service and you can check it out at heyswish.com. That's H-E-Y-S-W-Y-S-H. Thank you, Kenny, and thank you for joining us on another Sunday session. This week we are pleased to welcome back NRL.com crack reporter Alicia Newton. Uh, my name's Chris Kennedy. Thank you both for being here. CK, thank you. And that was very good, Kenny. I actually <laughs> organised the swish with, uh, with Damien Cook once. So, oh, did you really? Yeah, and got oh, it back pretty awesome. quick. He was pretty quick. But, um, oh, yeah. The players give you a fair bit, you know, a good couple of minutes and make it very personal. So I recommend it. It's pretty oh, good. Good stuff. And you give a kick to charity as well. So it's a worthwhile investment. Yeah, that's it. And obviously the players love to do it. And there's, there's a few obvious celebrities, I think, into it as well. It's pretty, pretty good. There Quick turnaround. Good, good stuff. Let's talk about some footy. Jeez, there were some highlights uh, in round 17. Some cracking games, some cracking plays. Um, we'll start off with the game that's just finished, the Cowboys and the Dragons. Uh, one of several games this weekend where I had no idea who to tip and anything could have happened. Ended up going all the way through to Golden Point. Um, Alicia, I'll start with you. Uh, what would you make of this one? Oh, it was back and forth, wasn't it? I think it was typical of, I guess, where the teams are on the ladder. And for the Cowboys, it it was a matter of, you know, they just had to win. What was it now? Eight or nine games in a row that they'd lost in our first win under Josh Hannay. So, yeah, it went down to the wire and uh, Val Holmes, you know, in that second attempt, uh, smoked it. So that was good. I um, I was really pleased with this one because, like, let's, let's face it, it's a, it was a game of no consequence. I don't want to sound... Um, harsh or anything but really dragons their season's done and the cowboys that were done a while ago but for a, a game that didn't really matter it was lots and lots of fun so hats off for both teams for playing uh some exciting football if not at not at all times it was on purpose but um yeah a lot of highlights first of all golden golden points always exciting no matter the quality of the game um, unfortunately it was the last game on sunday night as we were discussing earlier um but i thought like the cowboys the Cowboys really, really hung in there. The Dragons probably deserved to win just with the um, the amount of uh, possession and the breaks of play they made. I found it really odd. There was a couple of times where the Dragons, um, specifically Corey Norman, broke the mm. line. And then like it's like he had too many options and mm. chose then invariably like panicked and chose the worst one, which was to not score a try. Um, there were a couple of moments like that. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, I thought it was good fun. I thought Ravalala um, had a spectacular try somewhere in there where he managed to stay in the field of play by, like, the stud of his boot or something like that with his, his like, you know, 95% of his foot over the line but still suspended in midair. So every time a winger does something like that, it's always um, spectacular. But, uh, yeah, good way to end the week, I suppose. Yeah, it was topsy-turvy. Uh, sorry, Alicia. Yeah. Sorry, I think I think uh, Scott drank water too. He's copped a bit over the last couple of weeks, you mm. know, going back and forth between fullback and 5'8", but he set up couple of nice tries tonight as well, which um, you know, will do him the world of good. I'm not sure what, what his position will be moving forward under Todd Payton. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to see him sort of find a little bit of form in attack. His defence is a bit questionable still, but, um, yeah, when you're up the front of the line, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult when you're changing around all the time, isn't it? 
Well, I was going to say there were some nice moments from Drinkwater in particular, but Jake Clifford um, had some really nice touches. Ruben Cotter, I David thought, was really impressive. Yeah, friend of the show, Jake Clifford. Uh, it was nice enough to join us earlier in the year after he had a fantastic game against Newcastle. Um, was it before his Newcastle game? I think it was just before his Newcastle game. Maybe where his good luck charm. Um, but yeah, Ruben Cotter uh, was really good as well. Val Holmes, obviously, with the, the clutch field goal. So all those guys are going to be, um, I mean, obviously Michael Morgan to come back, but potentially, uh, and Reese Robson as well, but potentially available for their spine next year. So some good signs. Moving forward, um, the earlier Sunday game, I thought, um, I, I think I talked tweeted at halftime, this game's like a non-stop highlight reel, and uh, it was just back and forth. Uh, Warriors, one of the best tries I've seen all year, an absolute stunner, but there are a couple of other great tries from, from both teams, Alicia. Oh, I enjoyed it. I sat down on rare Sunday afternoon. I worked the Canberra game uh, last night, so managed to get back by four o'clock, and uh, yeah, they just went toe-to-toe. The forwards did, obviously, just Wunger and Nathan Brown were at each other for a good 40-odd minutes when they're both on the field together. But, um, yeah, like I'm not completely sold on Paris' performance. They, they played, you know, hard and they, they scored a couple of decent tries, but just their attack still is a bit all over the shop. Um, you know, the Warriors had their chance to the to uh, to level and, and get into it. Like, the end there, that play with, with Peter Hickey went quite close. So, um, yeah, that does look like their finals chances now have pretty much ended but um I mean we've sort of run out of words for the Warriors and what they've been doing so well the way that they're playing at the moment is just the credit to I guess what Peyton's doing you know to finish up there and um hopefully they can take that into some momentum next next year um wherever they be either here or back in New Zealand. Yeah Alicia I'm with you I'm not convinced by Parramatta's performance in this one at all like it was a it was an amazing game to watch so much fun um, but really, like, if Parramatta are, are genuinely going to be a top four team, then they should have been able to account for the Warriors, I'm not going to say easily, but a lot more convincingly than they did in this game. The Warriors, like, they're just the team that keeps on giving because they were, like, endless entertaining events in this game. Like, it was a, is it possible for the Warriors to not score, like, a fantastical try? Like, can they just do, like, a, 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 four, a straight up, you know, one-out dummy run crash over or something? Every try in this game had you know, moving parts to it and, and it, it, it um, seemed incredibly unlikely, but they managed to, to bag them. Um, can we talk a little bit about the, uh, the sin bin? The I was about to. I'm glad incident? you brought it up. Just kick us off, uh, Kenny. Well, um, I'm all for uh, an automatic sin bin for striking. Um, I just don't really think that that was striking. I think it was probably a, a, the slow motion replay made it look a lot worse than it really was. Um, I think the Warriors are probably hard done by in that in, in that instance. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I don't I don't like the argument that as long as you're grabbing someone's jersey, it can't be a punch. You can absolutely grab someone by the collar and still clock them on the jaw. But the fact that there was it was a glancing touch at best. He was on his back on the ground. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say it was the wrong decision, but it was certainly at the very harsh end. Mm. I think it just sort of sets a precedent because we do see players, you know, grabbing each other by the the collar of the jersey and and try and push them as opposed to punch them. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure Todd Payton said after the game that that's what Jazz Twang was trying to do. Um, Didn't think it was a punch. And I guess that's where the fine line is. You know, if we see it down the track, is it going to be a penalty or not? I think we've seen it earlier in the year and it wasn't a penalty. It was just play on. So... Um, yeah, it's the debate was probably whether Brown should have gone as well because he sort of retaliated and, and mm. there was a sneaky little knee in there. So I think that was what 
uh, Todd was sort of arguing about in the presser. But, um, yeah, like I enjoyed it because he saw uh, as soon as Jazz got back on the field, you know, Brown was into him first. Yeah. Hit, um, <laughs> and it was good. It's good for the game. You sort of – you don't want him to back down if they – you know, as long as they keep it legal. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I don't think it was – I think it was a bit 50-50 like either way. Um, I felt a little bit for Jazz, but you could also kind of see where the refs and uh, were coming from. Yeah, Nathan Brown's had a few of these. He had a great running battle with Sean Bloor of the West Tigers earlier in the year that was fantastic entertainment. And like you said, it had fired everyone up. There were some runs late in the game from Brown and Regan Campbell-Gillard in particular, the, the proverbial coming off the back fence, just absolutely cannonballing into the opposition, which is what we want to see. And I thought that probably that first 10 minutes from Parramatta, they were back to that that fast, aggressive, relentless style that served them so well in that sort of rounds three to eight period when they were leading the comp. But yeah, to let the Warriors back into the game, I agree with both of you. They're still a, a fair way short of, um, you know, where the Storm and the Roosters of the Panthers are currently. Five-day turnaround is at Penrith with probably no Reed Marnie, you'd think, with a, a shoulder injury. And Dylan Brown already out there. Um, they're going to do it very tough next week. But um, let's not dwell on that one. Let's go through to, uh, I think, Alicia, you were at this one, uh, drove down to Canberra for the, uh, the Raiders and the Roosters. Why don't you talk us through that? I'll just say that, you know, I've been a few Canberra trips this year and I've been sometimes nearly the only one down there for media and uh, this one, <laughs> media box, the Sonny Bill Williams Sydney media train were travelled down and uh, Sonny was the last to leave the game last night as well to finish up doing media. But, um, yeah, I guess the hype, everyone's sort of gone on about it, how whether it's been overloaded or not. But, um, you know, it certainly drew a lot of interest and. Um, even for us, you know, more watching when he was going to go on the field than I suppose the actual game in the second half. So, um, yeah, Roosters in the end, just too much class. And it reminded me a lot of, of, of the 2019 grand final. Like Raiders had a lot of ball, they had a lot of chances. Errors, mm. uh, Roosters, you know, clinical on their own line and just sort of got them when, when they needed to. So that second half from the Raiders was pretty poor. And, and uh, Ricky said that as such after the game and, um, obviously, probably to coincide with Joshua Parley's injury, uh, which I'm not too mm. sure what's happening there. But, yeah, um, I see these teams playing each other again. But, um, you know, I wouldn't lose wouldn't lose too much, uh, I guess, around around what the Raiders sort of did. I think they were pretty, pretty decent, just had a bit of an off second half. Yeah, I thought the, the Raiders really threw a lot at the Roosters in this one. But the Roosters are just... They're just one of those teams that um, they're so professional and they're so well drilled. They just know exactly how to handle whatever's thrown at them. And this was just another really great example of that. The Raiders really had their chances. And for me, the game was lost for them when um, I think it was Havili sort of cold knocked on about 20 minutes into the second half where the Raiders were really on the ascendancy. And I don't really think they ever, ever recovered from that. Like that was their... That was their real opportunity to sort of um, get some, um, you know, to, to score. <laughs> um, and it was just a, like a no pressure drop ball out of nowhere. And it just sort of, you know, released the pressure valve. And, and yeah, that was, that was sort of the game from that point on. Um, but yeah, I mean, SPW's comeback overshadowed uh, John Mor- Josh Morris's uh, 300th. So, um, you know, that's just another event in the Josh Morris fan cast. It is the NRL mm. Sunday session as well. Yeah, it was uh, yeah an ominous performance from the Roosters. Plenty of fanfare around uh, Sonny Bill, but he was only out there for 13 or 14 minutes in the end. But I thought more impressive from the Roosters now, they've had 
Corden are back a couple of weeks. This was Angus Crichton's first game back from that ankle injury. He mostly played in the middle rather than the edge, but I thought he made a real impact. Both Morris twins back after they've variously been out at different times. Um, Dan Tupo obviously had a, a long layoff as well. They got um, you know Luke Keary back as well, so they're, they're pretty much you know close to full strength other than guys like Victor Radley who are out for the season. So, um, yeah, building nicely. And James Tedesco after... He's not playing badly by any stretch at any stage of the year, but his last fortnight of, of footy has been just absolutely phenomenal. They're starting to hit their straps, aren't they? Like, it's just all coming together for them. And, um, you know, you've got Mitch Orbison, I think, is probably their only player that will come back. But I, I had a chat to Angus Crichton after the game last night, and he uh, he's actually probably going to end up playing that Victor Radley role moving forward. Obviously, if you've got Sonny on the edge with... It's Attili Tuvanua and uh, and Boyd Corner. That those both edges are a bit uh, full at this minute. So I expect him, especially with how well he played in the middle, to uh, to sort of play play a middle game moving forward. I think that's mm. um that's the way to go for, for Angus. But um, no, a decent game, and mm. I'm sure these two teams are going to meet again for sure. Would you not think Sonny's going to be playing middle as well, and Boyd Satili and potentially Butcher sharing the edge roles, if not Crichton doing a bit of each? Yeah, I think. I think Sonny will move to the edge before the finals just to at least get a bit in. Um, yeah, but for right. now, yeah, I think him and Angus are going to... That was just the vibe we sort of got after the game, um, chatting to Robbo about it. But, yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, Satili to Vanua too. They rate him very highly. He's obviously mm. been killing it. So, He's been um, outstanding. Yeah, until he sort of slips up, I can't see him moving moving from yeah. there. Fair call. Um, the second Saturday game, the Seagulls 32, the Tigers 34. Defence, not a feature of this game from either team. Kenny, on a scale of 1 to 10 with 10 minutes to go, how confident were you the Tigers were winning this one? Oh, yeah. I, I thought that there's, I, I, there was no way, that, to, to me, so there was no way the Tigers were winning this, even when they were ahead with uh, 40 seconds to go. <laughs> like, this, is, this is going to be a short, a successful short kickoff to Manly. They're going to retain possession and something's going to happen to, to the Tigers will lose the game. But no, they hung on to win, which was great. Um, another game that I'm going to say of, of little consequence, it just turned out to be a lot of fun, whether you're a fan or not. Uh, I I think the result says a lot more about Manly than it does about the Tigers because I think in the first half, the first half just seemed like a demolition. Like Marty Tapao and Adam, Adam um, Fanua Blake just roaring through the Tigers that seemed to have no answers for them. It felt like the possession was, you know, 95 to 5, but I think it was closer to like about 65-35. But when the possession is is so um, weighted to one side, a 2012 halftime scoreline means that one team's not doing a very good job. And I think that was Manly. They really should did not capitalise on that weight of possession anywhere near to the level that they should have. And that's, I mean, that's what let the Tigers back into the game. Um, I think towards the end of the game as well, Manly seemed, just seemed completely gassed. Um, but, you know, Adam Dewey and uh, David Nofaluma, they, they stole the show. They won the game for the Tigers, in my opinion. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. So, you know, mathematically still a chance, but no... Mm. Um, it's not happening, but you know, retain the place of ninth. So keeping all <laughs> how fitting. <laughs> we uh, we went to get food, and Manly were up by about fourteen. We were uh, all done, you know, and then came back, and we literally collected that kick and, and went over, and we were just like, "What's going on here?" So I didn't catch too much of the game in the end. I watched the highlights, but um, I hear Josh Schuster play pretty well. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't haven't as I said, I haven't watched, but um. That's obviously positive moving forward. They sort of struggling a little bit with a, with a half outside daily, consistent one. So 
I mean, daily four try assists too, I read, so he couldn't have done much more for, for the side. But it's just very undes Hazler like the, this sort of performance, isn't it, from um, from Manly and really yeah. all year, like even without Turbo, just something's missing there, isn't it? Just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, Daly had three of those. He had two of those try assists inside the first 10 minutes, and I think his third one inside 20 minutes. So he was tearing the Tigers to shreds in that that first 20, and Manly were just running away with it. It looked like it was going to be an avalanche, a, you know, a Brookvale massacre. But, um, yeah, things obviously didn't pan out that way. It's a, a wacky game. It's a good one for the neutrals, and I guess a good one for the Tigers in the end. Like you said, Kenny, Nofaluma, and Dewey were... Um, magnificent. I was really happy for Dewey. He had a really dusty game at fullback. Was it last week or the week before? Um, but yeah, good young fella and um, you yeah. know, he's been shuffled around. I thought around. it was also really refreshing, um, again, just as a Tigers fan, that uh, our goal kicking won us a game because it's mm. for so long it's been a like a really weak point for the team and Adam Dewey, I think he got all but one and they were not all, they were most from the sideline. So mm. Um, some really tricky ones. And the crowd, you could hear through the TV, the, the, the crowd that was allowed in, we got about 5,000, so you could hear everything. They were giving it to him. Yeah. Um, and it would have been pretty hard mentally to block that out, but he, he was solid. So well done to him. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a good fun game. I saw him on the Sunday footy show this morning saying he had a very simple, like that last kick was pretty gettable, certainly by goal kicker standards, but he said he had a similar one from a similar spot to win a game for Souths a year or two ago and, and missed it. So that was in the back of his head the whole time. Mm. So nice of him to provide the uh, the clutch moment and um, yeah, deliver the goods. Um, brings us through to the early Saturday game, which was the Bulldogs and the Titans. Um, definitely one of the games that did not have any impact on the um, the top eight finals race, but you know, still stuff to play for for, for both teams. Alicia, yeah, I was listening to this on the on the way down from Canberra on the radio, and that was probably the Bulldogs' best chance to sort of get off the bottom of the table on points uh, different. So. Yeah, a bit of a letdown of a performance from them. Um, Titans now, like, still ahead in terms of Queensland teams. They've avoided avoided the spoon and they're, they're doing better than the rest of the other teams. So that's something. Um, and another win under Holbrook. So they can carry all that sort of momentum uh, going into next year. You know, they're, they're playing quite well um, as a side. And like Jamal Fogarty's doing really, really well. And I only realised recently that he was appointed skipper, you know. It's yeah. pretty big. Um, once Proctor was suspended, yeah. Yeah, once Holbrook sort of went with that. So, um, yeah, that says a lot about him and how much of an influence he's having at, at a pretty you know, inexperienced NRL player. So, um, yeah, good on him. It's good to see him keep going. But, again, I didn't really see too much of that game. Yeah, you and most other NRL fans, I'd say. No, I'm being harsh. But <laughs> I think both... Both teams would be disappointed for different reasons. Like this was the Bulldogs' best chance to avoid the wooden spoon. Like they've got Manly, South, and Panthers left. They, you never know. They might they might get something over Manly because they seem to be in a pretty tough spot at the moment. Uh, but this was easily their best chance, and they just didn't get there. And again, the Titans. We're all talking about the 2021 is going to be the Titans' redemption story. We can all feel it. There's, there's things building there, but. You know, they should have beaten the Bulldogs by more than four points. Um, and, you know, one, at least one of the Titans tried was sheer luck. I think it was their second one. Um, a, a bomb that no one contested, so it got a bounce. And I think Corey Thompson just ho- hoiked a random kick down to the corner and it magically turned into a try by accident. So, um, yeah, you know, it was a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's waiting for the rest of that sentence to arrive and it didn't happen. Um, 
But yeah, like you said, Alicia, some positives there for the Titans. I know Arrow's leaving, but I mean, you, you mentioned Fogarty, but Brimson's been amazing since he came back from injury. Mikey Fodawaker's having a, a great year. I thought uh, Sam Stone and, and Bo Firma were both terrific. Firma had to spend most of the game at, at centre after Kelly um, was injured, but some, some good sort of signs building their forward pack. Herman SASA, David Fafida and Tino Fasuo Malaawi all rocking up next year. It's going to, you know, they do lose Arrow, but it's going to be a, a formidable pack uh, next year and some uh, emerging stars um, in the playmaking roles as well. What about, should we talk about Kieran Foran before we move on? I know Alicia said he didn't see much of the game, but uh, out for the season with a, a pec injury and off contract. Only 30 and, and still playing good footy when he's actually on the field, but it's been a tough three seasons at, at Belmore with his, um, you know, his phys- physical sort of side of things. It's a hard sell, isn't it, to try and pick up another club, you know, when you're, you're going to face, what, three months on the sidelines now. You can't even really get into a – get back to pre-season whenever that begins, whether it be, you know, start of January or wherever. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to see any sort of club wanting to take him on unless it's for a really sort of cheap deal and um, to play a bit of a backup role. But, uh, I mean, what more can you say about it? It just seems he just can't get through a year, you know, without something major. Like, his injuries aren't just something tiny. It just turns into months on the sidelines. So, um, I want to say his career is a bit at crossroads, but then you just, as I said, he's only 30. He's still got technically still play on but um, I, I reckon this is a oh. this is a, a super league situation like he's I th- with and no disrespect to the super league but it's just not at the same intensity as the NRL and perhaps he just needs a season or two um you know where he he's not his risk of injury is just nowhere near as high or if he doesn't want to go to the super league it's probably like a halves coach or something because yeah like I can't see him getting picked up by any uh, NRL squads for their um for their starting team yeah, it's a tough one. Um, take us through to Friday Night Footy. Kenny, I'll, I'll start with you. It was a bit of a heavyweight clash. The the Bunnies shown some great form the past fortnight or so and really giving it to Melbourne in that first half. But you give Melbourne a sniff and they uh, they make you pay. This was a... This was a I, all the games are fun. But this was, a, again, it just felt like a finals game. It felt like this one really, really meant something, not just in terms of like the outcome, but the the players. There was a lot of meaning in this one as well. So it felt like a finals game. Um, high intensity, lots at stake. Um, and it delivered. Yeah, you're right. Like South's, um, like South seemed to have all the, again, all the ascendancy. They were the ones that were building pressure they were the ones that seemed to walk away from the first half as like the, the team on top, but somehow Melbourne just managed to just keep scoring a sneaky try or two to stay in it. Um, like their, their first half defense from South Sydney, I thought was, was excellent. Like in some of the players, so again, this is one of those games where most of the highlights go to the, the losing team. Like Cody Walker, again, he's mm. like, this is another, you know, we all love Cody Walker. He had some spectacular plays in this, in this game. Um, the try that he scored off, I think it was uh, Adam Reynolds' short ball, was just mm. the stuff of dreams. And yet Melbourne, like Melbourne, the rugby league algorithm that has just been switched on and set <laughs> to win, they just, again, they just keep winning. Um, you know, and that's not to take anything away from the fact that they're also highly skilled. I thought, um, you know, like Josh Adokar, he his runs on the outside, um, again, always spectacular. I'd love to have a player of his pace. Um, and then, you know, Cam Smith, the puppet master, knows what he's doing. Chucks the, uh, the winning pass for the winning try. It was good stuff. Yeah, I was going to say that towards the end, like with the game on the line, when Smith 
to Papenhausen to Munster, you know, that was it. That just pretty much broke the deadlock and that was the winning play. You talked about it. It did feel like a bit of a finals game, but in the end, Souths, I think they completed just over 65%. So um, I think their, first, their second half around ball control probably hurt the most, which is something that Wayne sort of always said this year that, you know, they struggled to hold the ball earlier on in the year and they come up with a few losses. But... Yeah, we'll look at South's losses and they don't lose by March. Like, even against the, the, the top teams, you know, they're always sort of in it. They haven't been thrashed this year at all. I mean, refresh my memory otherwise. But, um, you know, their defeats are, are otherwise pretty pretty solid. So, um, I'd hate to play them in the finals, even if they finish, you know, fifth or sixth and mm. or vice versa, seventh or eighth and play a fifth team. It's, uh, yeah, even without Latrell, I think they, they miss him obviously a little bit. But, um you know, I think they, they've got enough there to sort of overcome him and have a couple of weeks to sort of get their, get all their groove together before then. Yeah, I was a bit confused by Corey Allen at, at fullback. I just feel like Alex Johnston with that bit of extra zip and pace, like, um, you know, Allen's obviously got a, a spot in that back line. But I thought, you know, with Latrell and the X factor that goes missing when, when he's, you know, missing for the rest of the year with injury. I thought Alex Johnson probably provides a little bit more spark at the back, but um, I was covering this game for NRL.com and Wayne pretty much said in the press conference that his plan is to stick with Corey Allen there for the, the rest of the year. So, I mean, he's a, a highly rated sort of up-and-coming player, Allen, and he does have some ball playing about him. So, obviously, you know, Wayne probably knows a bit more about coaching a first-grade team than I do. So, I guess we'll, we'll see how that pans out over the, the closing stages. I did get a chance to speak to um, to Big Tino in the sheds, actually. Um, and he's, um, you yeah, know, obviously, I think, and he's probably said before, keen to, to finish his storm career on a high before he goes to the Titans and desperately chasing a premiership. But he's also very, very strong on uh, chasing an origin jersey at the end of the season. Obviously, uh, played Queensland under-20s last year. I was actually... Um, Followed on this friendorder.com that'll be up during the week. But um, looking at the the Queensland um, teams from last year, there are a lot of names in there like uh, Dylan Napa, Tim Glasby, Matt Gillett, um, Ethan Lowe. A lot of forwards who um, just are either out injured or um, out of form. Joff and Gower, you'd think, could probably struggle. Uh, Jared Wallace, guys, that struggled to be picked this year. So, um, Tino, I know Kevin Walters has, has spoken about him already, but you'd have to think on the um, on the radar for, for Origin at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think it'll be a massive advantage if you play finals this year, even if it's, you know, you get yeah. knocked out in the first or second week because, you know, the, the match fitness going in our Origin game is going to be huge. So teams like the Dragons who have a fair number of Origin reps, I'll be interested to see what those sort of guys do leading into playing, you know, arguably the biggest sort of games um, of the season. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But, yeah, Tino, I think, is almost a lock in that position, you know, if he plays well in the finals. And mm. as you mentioned, Queensland forwards are sort of starting to age and, you know, um, probably just out of form as well. So, mm. um, yeah, it's time to sort of blood a few more, I reckon. There's a few coming through. Pat Carrigan, I know Brisbane are going pretty bad, but Carrigan's been a, a rock for the Broncos. Lindsay Collins uh, is a big... Uh, robust Queensland are doing really well for the the Roosters. Um, guys like Jaden Sewer are you know playing some good footy. So there's a few candidates around. Be interesting to see how it goes at the end of the year. Anyway, enough Origin talk for uh, round 17. Let's talk about the Knights and the Sharks. Uh, Alicia, I'll start with you. You'll be a relieved Knights fan after the way they uh, rebounded with a, a powerful win over Cronulla. It was uh, it was a pretty wild one, wasn't it? Um, yeah, pretty 
pretty happy. Like I was sort of expecting that bounce back. I think it's something Newcastle have done really well this year is after they've sort of been humiliated um, or just played quite poorly. They've they've literally bounced back. They've only lost a couple in a row once this year. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's obviously a positive sign. I thought Mason Leno had his best game. Um, well, obviously bounced back from last week too, but just had more opportunity and took a bit of pressure off Mitchell Pearce, which is what you want and it sort of all just clicked um a bit clunky in the second half but they kind of stormed home after that incident which i'm sure we're going to get into um we will yes yes but uh no other than that i thought um it was a nice little response and i mean kaylin ponga too he was in the in the mix of it and uh three tries in the end and they all sort of came quite easily which i'm sure would have annoyed john morris he would have been mentioning his name a thousand times in the lead up um so yeah, you just sometimes you just can't stop champion, future champions, future immortals maybe. No, like, oh. <laughs> not gonna um, go that far. <laughs> I thought like the first half. This the first half was just like a Newcastle title tidal wave was like constantly battering the Sharks, and they had no answer for it. It was it was pretty. Um, they they seemed completely dumbfounded by it, which was. Like and they let in some really basically like I mean Callum Pong is a class player but some of the tries at least one of the tries that he scored was it was like it was like he was invisible they didn't know where he was um, yeah poor game for the Sharks but like like you said Newcastle after coming off a humiliation um, you know weren't going to stand for that if they're going to make a, a deep run into the finals this year. Well, I mean, Ponga embarrassed them a few times, so it's no wonder they were trying to take his head off, uh, which they did on a couple of occasions. Who who wants to start? Uh, all right, well, I'll go. So we're going to we're talking about the send off here, right? Yes, that's, that's, we this are. Is the elephant in the room. I reckon. So first of all, do you think that perhaps Chad Townsend is feeling pressure to retain his spot after a couple of weeks off the sideline? So I think there was there was that. Chad Townsend's somewhat kind of unsure of himself, which is friend of the show, Chad Townsend, which is he's unsure of himself, which is not like him because he's a class player. The Sharks are getting absolutely belted. And like, I reckon in his head, he's like, I'm just got to do something to like, just got to do something epic. And so he runs. And I think he was expecting Kalen Ponga to be also running, but he didn't. He was sort of looked like he was just paused midfield and looking around. And he's all geared up for this massive hit and everything, everything about it's gone wrong. So he's launched at him, collected him high, maybe a bit of shoulder in it accidentally. Kalen Pong has also gone all ragdoll, so it's looked spectacular, like an epic hit. And then, um, obviously, march from the field. Do I think it was a send-off? I don't know. It had elements of, like, the uh, John Hopawade, Keith Galloway shooter tackle from, like, 2004. Um, for <laughs> a long time, uh, long time fans. Not quite the um, soaring elbow to the no, temple that that, that one was. But, but I think the only difference between the two is the size of the tackler, because John Opawade is obviously massive and sort of injected himself into Keith Galloway's chin, whereas Chad Townsend, I, th- I think, made the same shape, but sort of he's just he's just a bit smaller. Um, I don't know. Do I think it was a send off? Mm, I think maybe it was a bit harsh. It was definitely a send in, um, and I think I'll stop. Well, yeah, I, so 2018, the Knights played Cronulla up in Newcastle and the Sharks did a really good job on Ponga. Like, it was probably his first year, I think he was playing grade. And it was with that sort of, like, roughing him up. And I think it was Luke Lewis put a few decent shots on him. And yep. I think they were trying to take something similar into that game because you just sort of noticed, you know, and you saw a couple of lifting tackles 
So I think that was part of the playbook to, to try and ruffle them up. And obviously the Knights were pretty annoyed themselves, so they were given it back. But Chad, you know, he kicked that seven tackle set, you know, so obviously he's just trying to make up for it. Um, but I still don't think he'd probably know what he, what he what he's done. Like the time stopped, you know. Ben Collins didn't just blow the whistle once. He blew it, you know, three times to signal that, you know, somebody was in front of Caelan Ponga as he was trying to tap it to restart. So you can't say he didn't have time to pull out. And I think when I was watching, I just expected it to be a sim bin, to be honest, not a send-off. But, um, you know, as a Bias Knights fan, I was like, oh, okay, we'll just take that, you know. Mm. But I think Ponga spoke after the game and, you know, said, oh, he didn't connect with my head. But I think it's a bit like the Sean Johnson bite. I think, you know, there was something there. But it's just one of those gentlemen's sort of agreement that they don't mm. talk about it after the game. Um, Chad obviously took the... Early guilty plea, so he'll miss what is it, three to four three weeks? Games. Three games. Yeah, three yeah. games. So I think, yeah, but again, it, to me, it was a shoulder charge, and um, whether it hit his head or not, you know, that's already a mandatory two weeks. So um, yeah. I thought it was fair. I have several thoughts on what both of you just said, so I'll rattle through them right now. Kenny, I'll start with you. Um, I actually thought it reminded me not so much of the Hopawati tackle, but of the Minicello tackle um, when he got sent off uh, late in his career for a similarly um, spectacular looking, but probably similarly not particularly maliciously intentioned uh, tackle. Um, as you mentioned, Chad Townsend, friend of the show, was nice was nice enough to join us earlier in the year. So we you know, always found him a gentleman to deal with. Great bloke. I don't think he's got any maliciousness or thuggishness in him. I think it was just a, a mistimed tackle, one that went wrong. But I still thought, um, based on just the, the impact, the, uh, clearly, you know, he's saying that he didn't realise that play was off, but he's still, you know, Ponga, heard that it was off and had time to relax his body and you know Chad went through with a tackle which sort of resulted in it looking very uh, spectacular but I just thought even if it did you know the shoulder did come up off the chest or off the ball the the whiplashing action and the fact that he sort of left the ground I thought it had to be a send-off I know a lot of people on you know social media and so forth saying you know sin bin or penalty sufficient or whatever it was I thought it, it had to be uh, a send-off even if it wasn't maliciously intentioned and Alicia I want to touch on what you said about the um the Sharks game uh, with Luke Lewis up there at Newcastle because I was covering that one for NRL.com and it really felt like the Sharks were going hard upon and they were trying to take his head off. And I actually spoke to Kalen after that game. It was the first time I'd ever spoken to him and he sort of marches up to me. Oh, hi, I'm Kalen. Nice to meet you. I'm like, this guy's too polite for his own good. What a nice young man. Um, but I, I talked to him about the game and about his career and everything else, but I asked him about you know, the fact that he copped about, you know, three swinging arms to the head. And I said, you know, they're clearly trying to rough you up, trying to go after you. Like, how are you going to sort of deal with that? And he's, he was just like, oh, no, no, they weren't. They weren't trying to go after me. I didn't feel like I was being targeted. It's all just footy. Like, he just completely hosed the whole thing down. That's the same as what he said um, in the post-game coverage about not getting hit in the head. Like, that's just... I mean, it's sort of the footy player's code, right? But it's also just Kalen. Like, he's never going to stitch um, another player up. So I think if you're using the fact of Kalen saying he didn't feel like he was hit in the head as some sort of defence, I, I think that's just Kalen being uh, too nice for his own good. But we'll move on because we spent a lot of time on the shoulder charge. We've got one more game to talk about. Alicia, I'll start with you. The Broncos 12, the Panthers 25. I thought this was going to be 80 to nil, but to Brisbane's credit, they, um, they stuck in. And Penrith may be a little bit off their game, but um, Brisbane did look better. Yeah, they certainly did. Um, probably one of their, you know, better performances of the year. Just couldn't obviously come up with the points in the end. But um, I just thought Penrith were still in a bit of cruise control once they sort of hit a bit of a decent lead. They 
um, you know, didn't panic. And obviously we know that you can probably get the Broncos in the second half, which is what they did. So um, it's going to be interesting now. I think Penrith in the minor premierships pretty much almost done leading into this Parramatta game. What Ivan sort of does around resting plays. We saw Kurt Catewell come back and play really, really well for um, his first game back in a couple of months. So um, yeah, whether, whether Ivan sort of rotates a few forwards and lets a guy like Kurt Catewell um, gives him a few more minutes leading into the finals, I think it'll only help. Um, but yeah, as I said, they just sort of just did what they had to do and got out of Brisbane with uh, with two points. So um, I don't think, obviously, plenty of lessons learned, but I don't think they'll be uh, looking back on that video and finding too much to get you know excited about, put it that way. Yeah, it was, it was a, I guess you call it a close game because it was a 13-point margin, but like it, there was not one moment, not one second of that match where I didn't think that Penrith were going to win. It never really looked like, like you're right, they're in cruise control. They weren't playing the way that we've seen them play in previous weeks, which is, you know, fast, fit and strong. But they never for a second looked like losing. So um, I think they'll probably just, you know, take that one as I like, yep, okay, that's just a bump in the road. That's the, you know, let's let's not do that again. And, and Penrith will just roll on. Brisbane, um, yeah, the season's almost over for them. So, yeah, it'll end soon. Katoni Staggs, though, that Fenn, Josh Mansell's oh, still yeah, trying. You're right. That Fenn, the Katoni Staggs, <laughs> Fenn is becoming legendary now. Like, he's developed it very well. I sort of saw it coming, too. I was like, he's gonna, he's about to Fenn here. You know, <laughs> yeah. Next minute, Mansell goes flying. But I'll probably, you know, Katoni Staggs is probably one of the, the uh, shining lights in that in that Brisbane team. I obviously had his injury at the start of the year, but he's, he's bounced back now and... um. You know, who knows? Origin could be beckoning for him. I still think defensively he's a bit all over yeah. shot, but attack-wise, he's uh, he's pretty potent. He's really for a blue, anyway. Spark. He's a blue, right? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's from Wellington up there in uh, sort of northern country, New South Wales. Yeah, I think you're right, Freddie. I want to see a, a bit more uh, discipline in defence before he puts him into an Origin team. But I, I did notice uh, Mansour, the source, was had a good enough sense of humour to put that picture up on Twitter of uh, yeah, getting fended in the face from, from Katani. So glad, I guess, winners are grinners, right? So you can afford to have a, a laugh about it. But um, yeah, that's all we've got time for on the Sunday session. Thank you uh, to you, Alicia, and to you, Kenny, for being here as always. And thank you to everyone uh, for listening. We'll be back this time next week to wrap up round 18.